0: This program may contain explicit language. Also, we have a newsletter coming out. It's at slate.com slash gist news. Now, on with the possibly filthy show. It's Monday, July 22nd, 2019. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca, and attention must be paid to Robert Mueller because he's going to crack this whole thing wide open. Though his report didn't, and though his press conference didn't, and though the dramatic readings of the report didn't, and though the comic book drawn by the guy from Archer, written by the guy from Blackhawk, down didn't, the congressional testimony on a Wednesday in July will. We're now just days away from Robert Mueller's high-stakes testimony before Congress, and Democrats are using every hour between now and then to get ready for it. CNN previewed the game plan. Joining me from Capitol Hill, our senior congressional correspondent, Manu Raju. Manu, what was striking to me in the reporting from you and the team this morning is that some Democrats are saying they are preparing more for this hearing than they have ever. Before for other hearings. Yeah, this has been intense preparations behind the scenes. There have been actually mock hearings. Hey, listen, I am a big fan of careful preparation. All of my comments on every episode of The Gist notwithstanding. But I got to wonder if the testimony is going to land with anything close to the same window rattling force as famous actors reading a dramatic staging of the Mueller report.
1: Priebus believed that the president's request was a problem, so he called McGahn and asked for advice, explaining that he did not want to pull the trigger on something that was all wrong. That afternoon, the president followed up with Priebus about demanding Sessions' resignation. Did you get it? Are you working on it? Priebus believed that his job depended on whether he followed the order to remove Sessions, although the president did not directly say so.
0: There you heard John Lithgow, Kevin Kline, and I think Zachary Quinto as Reince Priebus. Oh, there were other stagings of this dramatic reading throughout the country, like in L.A., St. Louis, and another one in L.A. that the L.A. Times described as being played by a star-studded cast, including Alfred Molina as well as Brenda Strong, Desperate Housewives, Norbert Weiser, Michael Nury, NCIS, Greg Henry, Scandal, and Ray Abruzzo, The Sopranos. Alas, even the presence of the actor who played little Carmine Lupertazzi was not enough to convince the public. On May 1st, Marist asked the public, Do you think special counsel Robert Mueller's report should or should not lead to hearings in Congress to impeach President Trump? Overall, the public said 39% should, should lead to impeachment hearings. Then Mueller did his press conference. And we had the plays and we had the comic book. But just the Mueller press conference, speaking on May 29th, he literally said nothing that wasn't in his report. But we were told that his presence on TV would be enough We're a very moving images oriented society. So just playing some clips of the stoic bordering on furniture like Robert Mueller could
1: win the day. And from them, we concluded that we would would not reach a determination one way or the other about whether the president committed a crime. Well,
0: let's check what the poll said after that press conference, after all those dramatic readings and comic books. So remember, it was 39% before all of that. According to the Wall Street Journal-NBC News poll, the latest poll done on this subject, 21% are in favor of hearings in Congress to impeach President Trump. Down six points from a month ago and 18 points from May 1st. Well, I guess there's one last shot. Mueller's actual testimony. That's gonna be the game changer. Though his stance hasn't changed at all, he will not be going anywhere beyond the report itself, we've been told, but at least this will provide televised images, which of course captivate the nation and will reroute the conversation. I guess the best I could say is we'll see, or if I know anything about midday congressional hearings in July, we won't. On the show today, a senator scorned, the comedian crying, all in the same person. Was Al Franken wronged? Or is the New Yorker wrong to be advancing a victim narrative? You will find out in the spiel. But first, Maria Konnikova on not just taking it off, but keeping it off. I'm talking about howler monkeys who attack at dusk. No, I'm not. I'm talking about weight loss and the purported impossibility of transforming one's body from corpulent to svelte. Or is that bullshit? Maria Konnikova has the answers. (laughs) The trick's not taking it off, it's keeping it off. I am, of course, talking about Crocs. No, I'm talking about weight. We're about to do a segment with Maria Kanakova. It is an Is That Bullshit segment. I love these segments. Hello, Maria. How Hello, are Mike. But I'm, I'm going to say well. this. I, I'm good. I never do any preparation for these because yeah. you're going to tell me. But I did remember a few years ago there was this New York Times article about the contestants on The Biggest Loser. Yes. And there was – and so I had to look up that article because I wanted to see how severely they – portrayed the task of actually keeping off weight. And apparently they've done some studies with The Biggest Loser. And Mm -hmm. so all I remember is it's nigh impossible to keep off the weight. But I want to know if that's true. So this is our question. Keeping off the weight is that bullshit. Um, Do you know that Biggest Loser study? I did. Uh,
2: I did read it in preparation for this. Very good. Yes.
0: Is it persistent metabolic adaptation six years after The Biggest Loser competition?
2: It is. It is indeed that study. Let's start there.
0: What does that say? So, and maybe we should back up. Is this the most randomized test result? Like, no a reality show contestant? Of course not. 16 of course of not. Them? Yeah. So,
2: first of all, let's just think about who gets on the biggest loser Losers. versus <laughs> clearly, yeah. Um, versus, you know, we're talking about is it possible to keep off weight in the population in general, right? If you've lost weight. So first of all, in order to be on The Biggest Loser, you need to pass some pretty big hurdles um, when it comes to your weight. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are just overweight can't be on no.
0: The Biggest Loser. Because then you'd just be a loser, exactly. a big loser. Exactly. Yeah, it has to be impressive. Exactly. End, right?
2: You have to be impressive. Um, and I don't actually know what the screening questionnaires are, but I'm guessing that it is not a random sample even after the weight hurdle. Right. And then and then you're losing weight in this hyper-accelerated format in front of an audience on national television where you're exercising an average of 90 minutes a day, plus encouraged to exercise up to three hours more on your own right. every single day.
0: Right. And you got the biggest and you got sh- executive chefs and you're being and monitored. Your, and, and your
2: caloric restriction is crazy. It's 70% caloric restriction. So, yeah. so you're eating 30% of the calories that you need to maintain your weight.
0: But I think – do you remember the study, even though it was mm-hmm. a 14-people found – Right, I remember and this is reading 14 this. people, yeah, yes. I read that it worked for none of them. Is that right? right? This is correct. Oh, my God. So
2: – but worked for none of them. Let's once again kind of untangle a little bit what it means worked. Mm-hmm. All of them started to regain weight. Not all of them regained weight to the point where they were before the show. In and of itself, the study says nothing because we have a biased sample – we have an extremely warped way of losing weight, yeah, um and then they 're just gone. but just to kind of point out what this study found, because this is something that 's been found in other samples as well, is that when you lose weight and this is this is at this point a common finding, your body compensates right, so your total energy expenditure goes down right so There are a lot of physiological and neural changes that happen when you experience weight loss. So part of it is that your metabolism changes. So that's kind of the total energy expenditure. Mm -hmm. So you're not burning calories as quickly.
0: But does that happen right after you lose the weight or for how long does your body compensate? So
2: um, as far as we know, it um, happens for at least a year. Yeah. After you lose weight, and that's not, but that's not the only thing that happens. Also, your appetite-regulating hormone levels change. And just to, just to finish up the kind of the Biggest Loser study and yes. what's been found in in some of these is that there are also neural changes. So your reward areas, the reward areas of the brain, their activity increases in the presence of food, as opposed to before the uh, weight loss. And your emotional control decreases. Um, and the other thing, though, that they often find, and this comes from other studies, not just The Biggest Loser, is that it actually doesn't seem to matter whether you lose it very quickly or gradually. Um, It seems to be difficult period. I think
0: I did read that there was a recent study which followed a pretty big group of people because there was one thesis that once you lose weight, you burn fewer calories. You move less, not burn. That's the end result. You move less. And this study, I think, indicated that the weight the people who lost weight didn't in fact move less. They may be burning fewer calories, but it's not because they're moving less.
2: Right, so there are a number of studies that have been done and a number of meta-analyses that have been done that look at kind of What's the best data available? Um, And the earliest good one that I found was 2004, and the latest Mm -hmm. that I found was 2017. All right. So if we go chronologically, um, the first one was a review of weight loss maintenance that followed people for at least six months. Mm -hmm. And it found that actually, yes, it is possible to keep it off, but you need to pass a number of hurdles And those hurdles will probably, just like the biggest loser, weed out a number of people. So first, the more weight you lose initially, the more likely you are to keep weight off, which makes sense, right? If you lose five pounds, you're probably going to gain those five pounds back. If you lose 50 pounds, it becomes much more difficult to gain all 50 back. That's number one, reaching a self-determined goal weight. So not one that's just arbitrary, but you set a oh, weight. Go for yourself mm-hmm. and you reach it. So this actually will go um, to some of the things that they found a bit later on and in some other studies, which is you have to have a sense of self-efficacy and a sense of control
0: right. over your oh, own weight gain. And so someone on a so, TV show like being told what to do might not yes, have that.
2: exactly. So a sense of agency is actually incredibly important. They actually looked at in some of the studies that they were reviewed here, they looked at something called locus of control, which means do you think that you control your own fate or do you think that your fate is just external? determined. And people who had a more internal locus of control were better able to maintain weight loss.
0: I always have felt that we are the authors of our own fate.
2: Yes. Well, that that bodes well for your ability to maintain weight loss. Um, And then the second number of factors is more closely related to kind of that sense of agency because they're all psychological. And I think that these are actually factors that are often completely ignored because people... Talk about metabolism. They talk about, you know, things like, oh, what kinds of foods are you eating? All of these things are Super important. Superfoods. Exactly. Superfoods. Oh, fatty fruits, acids. Yes. Yes. Omega threes. Well done. Well done. Um, all what of are these the blueberries, antioxidants. Yes. Well done. Oh my yes. god. Goji just berries. Just saying them.
0: Goji berries. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but there's a lot of stuff that's purely psychological and has to do more with external factors. So, do you have a good social support network? Are you motivated to lose weight? personally. um, How do you handle stress? So how do you score on tests that measure your response to stressors? Are you someone who gets stressed really easily? Mm -hmm. Or are you someone who's actually kind of able to deal with stressors better? Um, How autonomous are you? Um, How much responsibility do you assume? Um, Basically, how stable, how strong, how resilient are you psychologically?
0: Because it does seem that for for years and years, I mean, dieting is an industry and there is the promise of weight loss. And I think we've gotten over the idea of uh, thinking of obesity as like this moral failing. But it did become quite a popular concept to simply assert that permanent weight loss is all but a
2: myth. All right. So let me, let me then skip some of the in-between studies and go yeah. straight to 2017. Yeah, let's get the latest. This is actually – a study from the National Weight Control Registry, Harvard did it, published it in 2017, and this is 10,000 people who could maintain a weight loss of at least 30 pounds for at least one year.
0: Oh, my God.
2: So that's a lot of people who were able to maintain that's it. That's
0: 300,000 pounds yep. of, of, of lost weight. Yes. At least. At okay, least. Good, good, At least.
2: Um, and I hate to say this, but we're going to learn very little now. So, Damn it exercise is important. Yeah. Regular meal rhythm, including breakfast and healthier eating habits. Breakfast? I thought, haven't we done it? Is that bullshit breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) We have, we have. But (laughs) this just means it's important to monitor what you eat. In fact, one of the major predictors was keeping a food diary and consistently keeping a food diary, actually writing down what you're eating and weighing yourself. And this one said, watching less TV. As well. Um, And more freedom. So the more freedom the person had initially in planning their own program of weight loss and maintenance, the greater their success in the end. Nothing eye-opening, nothing earth-shattering, but it does seem like it is possible. However, I will rewind all of these studies Mm -hmm. up a little bit and say people gain weight for different reasons. And I think that we do need to be a little bit careful when we say, is it possible, isn't it possible to lump people together? Because some people gain weight because they're on certain medicines or they're on steroids or you know they have metabolic changes uh, related to health conditions. And that's very different right. from gaining weight because you are suddenly overeating. Some people, you know, gain weight because there was a major life stressor. You know, some people are more predisposed to gain weight than yeah. others. So it's very some difficult. Some people gain weight because lasagna is delicious.
0: I mean, yes. I'm in that camp.
2: Some people gain <laughs> weight because lasagna is delicious. and you're So if you're in that camp, then this all applies <laughs> to Garfield, you. Garfield, <laughs> the cat,
0: and I agree. I don't mind Mondays, but on the lasagna thing. On and point.
2: different people have different healthy weight points. Yes. So for some people, you know, being what looks like quote-unquote overweight is actually a fine weight for them. They are perfectly metabolically healthy. We've yes. done, we've done an yes. on that. Yes.
0: It is just weird when um, those people are trainers at the gym. Yes, this like is you true. You don't want it to be weird, but it is weird.
2: It can be when weird, When a yes. less
0: in shape looking person is training the more in shape looking person, I have cognitive dissonance. Makes me a bad person? Sure. I'm just admitting what <laughs> I think.
2: So this does happen. <laughs> but, that person doesn't need to lose weight. That's right. Let's hope. So, yeah. so, so we're talking about, you know, when you're saying, is it possible? The, the answer is different for different people. Yeah. And the way to keep it off is different for different people. But I think the the bottom line is that you do need to be cognizant of what you're eating and not just how much because the the common wisdom used to be, and this we know is completely wrong, is that a calorie is a calorie. We've done multiple segments on that it's not true a calorie mm-hmm. is not a calorie and if your energy expenditure is greater than your energy and that doesn't mean you're going to lose weight right. so it used to be you know people said if you burn more calories than you eat you're going to lose weight not true because it depends on what calories you're eating and it depends on how you're burning the calories right right and a calorie is not a calorie so yeah. some calories just go kind of in and out and some calories stay yeah um so it's it's complex we don't know the answer. Yes, some people are able to maintain weight loss, but it's not easy. I don't think it's easy for anyone. There was not a single study that said, you know, this person lost weight and just kept it off.
0: Easy.
2: <laughs> easy. easy. It seems like there is this component of constantly monitoring yourself and that if you have that, if you have the discipline to do it, if you have the motivation to do it, if you have the social support, to do it, mm-hmm. then you'll be able to be successful, and if any of those are missing, it's going to be much more difficult,
0: So, and that's
2: probably why a lot of people struggle, because that is difficult. The good news is though there's no evidence that yo-yoing will make it harder to maintain weight loss what in about the future.
0: Yodeling? Oh, ho hoing. You know, what about ho hoing instead of yo yoing? So, so, of all the drakes yeah, slash snacks. Yeah, so ho
2: hoing actually has very negative <laughs> repercussions yeah, for maintaining yeah, weight loss. Yeah. Yodeling, it depends on whether you're actually Swiss or not. Uh huh. So if you're actually Swiss, it seems like you get a free pass in your genetic well, code.
0: Well, yodels are, but, are those uh, devil food cakes <laughs> with the swirl <laughs> in them.
2: Oh, see, I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah. 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 For there's me, yodeling yodel.
2: is sound of music.
0: Yeah, I know. But there's a yodel. There's wow. a ho-ho. See, I knew the ho-ho. A,
2: I know the hostess.
0: Right. There's a snow... There's like the pink puffy Mike, one. Mike, you're
2: just opening my eyes in this yeah, segment probably, <laughs> to all of these things I did ideas. not know existed.
0: So it is nigh impossible to lose weight and keep it off. Is that bullshit?
2: Um, That is bullshit because I think it is possible to lose weight and keep it off. But But there are lots of caveats and we need to figure out how much weight are we keeping off. And... Were we the ones who decided we wanted to keep that weight off?
0: As opposed to the producers at NBC. As opposed
2: to the producers at NBC, yeah. All right.
0: Um,
2: And I think that the how much is also incredibly important because it's easier to maintain certain amounts of weight loss than others.
0: Gotcha. All right. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game. She is right now. I have looked it up and I have turned (laughs) my Wikipedia page to show you a yodel.
2: (laughs) I I am now being shown this horrific picture of this incredibly processed looking thing no um, no this is a yodel made at Ansel bakery what do you know oh, no, that's a oh, Drake's yodel Dominique <laughs> Ansel's yodels <laughs> yeah, the Yodel. see I see We need a disclaimer right here. Dominique Ansel, as far as we know, does not make yodels. Yes,
0: he's very (laughs) litigious. We don't want to say. Yodels, (laughs) according to Wikipedia, are similar to Hostess Brand's Ho-Hos and Little Debbie's Swiss Rolls.
2: All right. Next time, I hope I will have an assortment of them waiting for me.
0: Maria Konnikova, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Mike.
0: And now the spiel. Former Senator Al Franken regrets leaving the Senate. He was accused by radio host Leanne Tweeden of forcibly kissing her under the guise of a rehearsal of a skit that he wrote during a USO tour more than a decade ago. According to Tweeden, the skit was written with her in mind simply as a ruse to harass her reporting by The New Yorker, out today, proves that that is not true. It also shows what had been reported before, but now in much greater detail, how Tweedon coordinated with Sean Hannity, The Drudge Report, Fox News, and other conservative sites to maximize the damage to Franken. It worked. Franken, the popular second-term senator, at first asked for a hearing, but within weeks resigned. This after seven more accusers stepped forward and members of his own party, especially a group of female senators led by New York's Kirsten Gillibrand, called for his ouster. He gave it to them. Now, a number of senators tell The New Yorker that they regret calling for Franken to step down. Seven went on the record. I can't say this surprised me. Last week when I was interviewing Senator Michael Bennett, I asked him about Franken. Do you miss having Al Franken in the Senate?
1: I do miss having Al Franken because I would watch
0: it? a lot of committee hearings, yeah, and he sat next he did. to you. We sat right and next he, It seemed like you liked each we, other. We liked <laughs>
1: each other. He he was a really smart guy. He took his job very seriously. He loved being in the Senate, and I know it's you know it's uh, it's really unfortunate, um, but I miss him.
0: Do you blame any members of your party for leading his ouster? I don't. The reason that I had the intuition that Bennett was fond of Franken was that in preparing for the Bennett interview, I had watched a lot of Senate education hearings. Bennett is the former head of the Denver Public Schools and, as such, had a lot of authority on that committee. But Franken also asked excellent questions. I got the sense that his fellow committee members really liked him and respected him and were interested in when he was Asking questions, and I would also say that he was chief among the members of that committee in making Betsy DeVos look like she was out of her depth.
2: The proficiency is if they've reached a, a like third grade level for reading, etc. No, it, I'm
1: talking you? about the debate between proficiency and growth. And yes. what, what your thoughts are on them?
2: Well, I was just asking to clarify. Then, well, this
1: is this is a subject that is has been debated in the education community for years. In- and I've, I've advocated growth as the chairman and every member of this committee knows because with proficiency, uh, back- teachers uh, ignore the kids at the top mm-hmm. who are not going to f- fall below proficiency and they ignore the kid at the bottom who no matter what they do will never get to proficiency. So I've been an advocate of growth. But it surprises me that you don't know this issue.
0: So the visual there is DeVos opening her mouth, but no words coming out. His questioning, Franken's questioning of Rick Perry was proficient, and he showed how little the current energy secretary had grown. His questioning of Jeff Sessions was essential, literally without Franken's questioning to Sessions. Sessions might not have recused himself from the Russia investigation. We might have not had a Mueller report. And even if A Mueller report doesn't result in impeachment or charges. It does lay out a very compelling case that the president obstructed justice. Trace that all back to Al Franken. Those are Franken's high profile contributions. I was listening to Franken's podcast today, as I have been over the last few weeks, and he played some questioning that no one at the time paid attention to. This was of a guy named Pat Pizzella, who, well, he's the guy who's going to be the next labor secretary if the president gets his way. When Pizella was undersecretary of labor, Franken opposed his nomination, largely because Pizella worked for lobbyist Jack Abramoff in the service of some really disturbing labor practices in the Mariana Islands. Chinese women were promised jobs in the U.S. Those islands are technically a U.S. territory. They were beaten, some were forced to have abortions, and they suffered horrible working conditions. Here's Franken questioning Pizzella, who was a lobbyist for these programs, and afterwards, you'll hear his commentary from his podcast.
1: Were you aware of those horrible conditions even while you lobbied against minimum wage protection for workers?
2: uh no, first of all senator thank you uh, uh you did say you intended to ask the question I appreciate that in our meeting yesterday and um prepared to address
0: the issue uh I was not aware of uh, any such thing uh I did not know I just learned that twenty one of uh mr Abmos's colleagues were also convicted of wrong well, let me just and ask i, I you was n- i was not one of them okay, and I but, just want to be clear about that I, I was never that. congratulations
1: okay. thank you on that uh <laughs> You know, in retrospect, I wish I'd been more emphatic about playing out that he was was lying, but I assumed that was just obvious to the rest of my colleagues. Maybe I had overlooked the possibility that a few of the Republicans on the committee had gone on on one of those junkets. So here's what I think we should do. I am putting a petition online at com that you can add your name to demanding... That the House Labor Committee investigate whether Pizzella knew about these abuses in the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands and lied during his confirmation hearing. This is a
0: now that clip demonstrates a few things: one, Al Franken good at committees; two, Franken correct on the issues; three, Franken is still today fighting the good fight. The existence of his podcast and that petition tells you that. I've been listening to the podcast and it's earnest, but it's also entertaining. It's an effort to use whatever abilities he has to focus us on the important things that government does. And those abilities are communication and comedy and insight and experience. He's a guy who clearly believes in the power of government. And I do think that it is a shame that he's no longer in it. Now, let me say this. Harvey Weinstein was a good movie producer. It doesn't mean he should go free. Matt Lauer and Charlie Rose were, let's say for argument's sake, Good TV interviewers doesn't excuse their misdeeds, but the societal benefit of an Al Franken maybe should be weighed against the believability and severity of the charges against him. Maybe if a great man does horrible things, he should not be excused. But if a very good man does some quasi nebulously inappropriate things, maybe we should extend some forgiveness, perspective, proportionality. I do not believe most of the allegations put forward by Tweeden, though there is no way to know if Franken forcibly tongue kissed her. Yick, inexcusable. But given the inaccuracies of much of the rest of her claim and her motivations to sully him, I wonder about it. It is not a popular stance in this climate of believe women, but it is a stance that I do think is sensible. And also, I gotta say, I think that most people, even most liberal people, believe in that stance as well. Also, a few of the other quote-unquote charges against Franken, even if completely true, don't amount to sexual harassment. A hand on the waist while taking a picture. A kiss on a stage in front of hundreds where a face was turned so you caught some cheek. A couple of the charges do seem like really inappropriate things for people to do. I mean that, inappropriate. Like, there's the army medic who said Franken cupped her breast before a photograph. There was the woman in the Minnesota State Fair who claimed that Franken grabbed her butt during a photo. These, by the way, were not dealt with extensively in the New Yorker article. And me, what about me? Because I said at the time that it was justified for the Democratic Party to oust Franken. Justified as politics. Politics is a tough and often unfair business. Jettisoning Franken clarified the party's position as the one... That was four square opposed to sexual harassment. Franken could have stayed and fought, but if, absent Democratic Party clarity on sexual harassment, if Roy Moore had gone on to win the Alabama Senate race, maybe today he seems pretty unsympathetic. Maybe he just seems selfish and pathetic. But it's of note that he has gone on to keep his focus on the issues that need attention. And it does seem to me that the public, not the Twitter torch and pitchfork squad, but most people in the public still hold Al Franken in high regard. If you apportion blame for what happened to Franken, Al Franken gets a lot of the blame. Tweeden and bad actors in the right-wing media get some of the blame, and news organizations, like at Time This One, also deserve blame for quickly rushing to unjustified conclusions. Within hours of Leanne Tweeden's first unvetted accusation, Slate, calling Franken a misogynistic fraud, wrote, quote, There is no rational reason to doubt the truth of Tweedon's accusations, no legitimate defense of Franken's actions, and no ambiguity here at all, end quote. Well, there was a ton of ambiguity, and there still is. Even knowing what we know now, you couldn't precisely say that Senator Al Franken was a victim, but you can very precisely say he's no longer a senator. And that's it for today's show. Pierre Bien-Aimé and Daniel Schrader produce the gist. They advocate a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and this sensible dinner. The gist. Just like the bank robbers who want to pull off one last job, it's those last five pounds that are the most difficult. Umpro depu du and thanks for listening. Yodels are named as the preferred Ugh. food source of the character Jerry in the comic strip pre
2: I hate reading through all of these studies and you've read like 20 pages and then you look at the conclusions and you're like, seriously, yeah. like, this is what you got yeah. for me? <laughs>